Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Plato's Dialogue, Protagoras Part 6 Protagoras, following the agreement of the company, now questions Socrates. I am of opinion, Socrates, he said, that skill in poetry is the principal part of education, and this I conceive to be the power of knowing what compositions of the poets are correct and what are not, and how they are to be distinguished, and of explaining when asked the reason of the difference. And I propose to transfer the question which you and I have been discussing to the domain of poetry. We will speak, as before, of virtue, but in reference to a passage of a poet. Now Simonides says to Scopus the son of Creon the Thessalian, quote, Hardly on the one hand can a man become truly good, built foursquare in hands and feet and mind, a work without flaw. End quote. Do you know the poem, or shall I repeat the whole? There is no need, I said, for I am perfectly well acquainted with the ode. I have made a careful study of it. Very well, he said. And do you think that the ode is a good composition and true? Yes, I said, both good and true. But if there is a contradiction, can the composition be good or true? No, not in that case, I replied. And is there not a contradiction, he asked? Reflect. Well, my friend, I have reflected. And does not the poet proceed to say, quote, I do not agree with the word of Pittacus, albeit the utterance of a wise man. Hardly can a man be good. End quote. Now, you will observe that this is said by the same poet. I know it. And do you think, he said, that the two sayings are consistent? Yes, I said, I think so. At the same time, I could not help fearing that there might be something in what he said. And you think otherwise? Why, he said, how can he be consistent in both? First of all, premising as his own thought, quote, hardly can a man become truly good, end quote, and then a little further on in the poem, forgetting, and blaming Pittacus and refusing to agree with him when he says, quote, hardly can a man be good, end quote, which is the very same thing. And yet, when he blames him who says the same with himself, he blames himself, so that he must be wrong either in his first or in his second assertion. Many of the audience cheered and applauded this, and I felt at first giddy and faint, as if I had received a blow from the hand of an expert boxer, when I heard his words and the sound of the cheering. And to confess the truth, I wanted to get time to think what the meaning of the poet really was. So I turned to Prodicus and called him. Prodicus, I said, Simonides is a countryman of yours, and you ought to come to his aid. I must appeal to you like the river Scamander in Homer, who, when beleaguered by Achilles, summons the Simwa to aid him, saying, quote, Brother dear, let us both together stay the force of the hero. End quote. And I summon you for I am afraid that Protagoras will make an end of Simonides. Now is the time to rehabilitate Simonides by the application of your philosophy of synonyms, which enables you to distinguish will and wish, and make other charming distinctions like those which you drew just now. And I should like to know whether you would agree with me, 
for I am of opinion that there is no contradiction in the words of Simonides. And first of all, I wish that you would say whether, in your opinion, Prodicus, being is the same as becoming. Not the same, certainly, replied Prodicus. Did not Simonides first set forth, as his own view, that, quote, hardly can a man become truly good? Quite right, said Prodicus. And then he blames Pittacus, not, as Protagoras imagines, for repeating that which he says himself, but for saying something different from himself. Pittacus does not say, as Simonides says, that hardly can a man become good, but hardly can a man be good. And our friend Prodicus would maintain that being, Protagoras, is not the same as becoming. And if they are not the same, then Simonides is not inconsistent with himself. I dare say that Prodicus and many others would say, as Hesiod says, quote, On the one hand, hardly can a man become good, for the gods have made virtue the reward of toil. But on the other hand, when you have climbed the height, then to retain virtue, however difficult the acquisition, is easy. Works and days. End quote. Prodicus heard and approved. But Protagoras said, Your correction, Socrates, involves a greater error than is contained in the sentence which you are correcting. Alas, I said, Protagoras, then I am a sorry physician, and do but aggravate a disorder which I am seeking to cure. Such is the fact, he said. How so? I asked. The poet, he replied, could never have made such a mistake as to say that virtue, which in the opinion of all men is the hardest of all things, can be easily retained. Well, I said, and how fortunate are we in having Prodicus among us at the right moment, for he has a wisdom, Protagoras, which, as I imagine, is more than human, and of very ancient date, and may be as old as Simonides or even older. Learned as you are in many things, you appear to know nothing of this. But I know, for I am a disciple of his. And now, if I am not mistaken, you do not understand the word hard in the sense which Simonides intended. And I must correct you, as Prodicus corrects me when I use the word awful as a term of praise. If I say that Protagoras or anyone else is an awfully wise man, he asks me if I am not ashamed of calling that which is good awful, and then he explains to me that the term awful is always taken in a bad sense, and that no one speaks of being awfully healthy or wealthy, or of awful peace, but of awful disease, awful war, awful poverty, meaning by the term awful, evil. And I think that Simonides and his countrymen, the Caians, when they spoke of hard, meant evil, or something which you do not understand. Let us ask Prodicus, for he ought to be able to answer questions about the dialect of Simonides. What did he mean, Prodicus, by the term hard? Evil, said Prodicus. And therefore, I said, Prodicus, he blames Pittacus for saying hard is the good, just as if that were equivalent to saying evil is the good. Yes, he said, that was certainly his meaning and he is twitting Pittacus with ignorance of the use of terms, which, in a lesbian, who has been accustomed to speak our barbarous language, is natural. Do you hear, Protagoras, I asked, what our friend Prodicus is saying? 
and have you an answer for him? You are entirely mistaken, Prodicus, said Protagoras, and I know very well that Simonides, in using the word hard, meant what all of us mean, not evil, but that which is not easy, that which takes a great deal of trouble. Of this I am positive. I said, I also incline to believe, Protagoras, that this was the meaning of Simonides, of which our friend Prodicus was very well aware, but he thought that he would make fun, and try if you could maintain your thesis. For that Simonides could never have meant the other is clearly proved by the context, in which he says that God only has this gift. Now he cannot surely mean to say that to be good is evil, when he afterwards proceeds to say that God only has this gift, and that this is the attribute of him and of no other. For if this be his meaning, Prodicus would impute to Simonides a character of recklessness which is very unlike his countrymen. And I should like to tell you, I said, what I imagine to be the real meaning of Simonides in this poem, if you will test what, in your way of speaking, would be called my skill in poetry, or, if you would rather, I will be the listener. To this proposal Protagoras replied, As you please. And Hippias, Prodicus, and the others told me by all means to do as I proposed. Then now, I said, I will endeavor to explain to you my opinion about this poem of Simonides. There is a very ancient philosophy which is more cultivated in Crete and Lacedaemon than in any other part of Hellas, and there are more philosophers in those countries than anywhere else in the world. This, however, is a secret which the Lacedaemonians deny, and they pretend to be ignorant just because they do not wish to have it thought that they rule the world by wisdom, like the sophists of whom Protagoras was speaking and not by valor of arms, considering that if the reason of their superiority were disclosed, all men would be practicing their wisdom, and this secret of theirs has never been discovered by the imitators of Lacedaemonian fashions in other cities, who go about with their ears bruised in imitation of them, and have the castus bound on their arms, and are always in training, and wear short cloaks, for they imagine that these are the practices which have enabled the Lacedaemonians to conquer the other Hellenes. Now when the Lacedaemonians want to unbend and hold free conversation with their wise men, and are no longer satisfied with mere secret intercourse, they drive out all these laconizers and any other foreigners who may happen to be in their country, and they hold a philosophical seance unknown to strangers, and they themselves forbid their young men to go out into other cities. In this they are like the Cretans in order that they may not unlearn the lessons which they have taught them. And in Lacedaemon and Crete, not only men, but also women have a pride in their high cultivation. And hereby you may know that I am right in attributing to the Lacedaemonians this excellence in philosophy and speculation. If a man converses with the most ordinary Lacedaemonian, he will find him seldom good for much in general conversation. But at any point in the discourse, he will be darting out some notable saying, terse and full of meaning, with unerring aim, and the person with whom he is talking seems to be like a child in his hands. And many of our own age and of former ages have noted that the true Lacedaemonian type of character has the love of philosophy even stronger than the love of gymnastics. They are conscious that only a perfectly educated man is capable of uttering such expressions 
such were Thales of Miletus, and Pittacus of Mytilene, and Bias of Priene, and our own Solon, and Cleobulus the Lindian, and Mison the Kenian, and seventh in the catalogue of wise men was the Lacedaemonian Kilo. All these were lovers and emulators and disciples of the culture of the Lacedaemonians, and anyone may perceive that their wisdom was of this character, consisting of short, memorable sentences, which they severally uttered. And they met together and dedicated in the temple of Apollo at Delphi, as the first fruits of their wisdom, the far-famed inscriptions, which are in all men's mouths, Know thyself, and nothing too much. Why do I say all this? I am explaining that this Lacedaemonian brevity was the style of primitive philosophy. Now there was a saying of Pittacus, which was privately circulated and received the approbation of the wise. Hard is it to be good. And Simonides, who was ambitious of the fame of wisdom, was aware that if he could overthrow this saying, then, as if he had won a victory over some famous athlete, he would carry off the palm among his contemporaries. And if I am not mistaken, he composed the entire poem with the secret intention of damaging Pittacus and his saying. Let us all unite in examining his words, and see whether I am speaking the truth. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.